Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to another edition of the Words, Women, and Wisdom radio show, streaming live from BBS in California and syndicating to over 100 stations globally, including iHeart and iTunes. Today, I am welcoming an, a guest, and we're going to talk about a, another topic in this uh, period of time to dive into connecting in with being unstoppable, and also a story of some connections with suicide. So we're having, um, after we have Mental Health Awareness Month in May, we're having some focus on some really important and moving topics. And I'm delighted to invite um, my guest, Dorothy O'Dell, to join me, who's also a fellow podcaster. Hello, Dorothy. Hello, Yvonne. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So before I formally introduce Dorothy, if you haven't dialed into the show before and you're wondering what's it all about, I interview amazing women, women who've typically risen from some sort of tragedy to triumph and are now out in the world creating intriguing things things that impact their community or sometimes globally as well. And they're making a difference. And Dorothy is certainly one of those people who I was kindly connected with through a colleague of mine. So as I interview, I'm bringing in the context of over 20 years of senior HR work, working with people, interviewing and hiring about 6,000 people. And now in my day-to-day job, it's working with women entrepreneurs who are seeking to flourish. That's my passion, helping women have more powerful language and ask for what they want and get it. And I use all kinds of techniques. I have a best-selling book too. I'll do a little uh, video about that later on and audio about that. And this conversation is going to be really intriguing. So make sure you grab a pen and paper right now, as there's going to be wisdom nuggets coming out of it that we'll both be sharing. So welcome, Dorothy. Where are you dialing in from in the world today? I right now am currently in Windsor, Ontario. Windsor, Ontario. So we're both dialing in today from Canada. I'm in Calgary, Alberta, at the base of the Rocky Mountains, although you can tell from my accent, originally from London, England. So Dorothy, as we talk about this, uh, this intriguing topic today from thriving, sorry, from surviving to thriving, healing or healed is sexy. Hmm, Interesting topic title from surviving to thriving healed is sexy. Woohoo. So we're going to talk about that. And I wanted to share a little bit more about Dorothy. So she's on a mission to change the world change the world one person at a time. And like me, we have this passion. So she's all about helping others stand up for themselves, believe in themselves, and know that they're not alone on the journey of being unstoppable. So she's the creator of the unstoppable platform, the unstoppable overcomer. It's a platform for people who have overcome great odds to share their stories and help overcome and inspire others. Help them never give up, never give up, never give up hope. And also know that they're not alone in their struggles because we're all in this together. And I love that about you. So Unstoppable Overcomers was born out of a passion for helping others to be seen. And what you shared with me about, you know, in today's marketplace, it can be very easy to get lost in the shuffle. There's just so much noise 
out in the marketplace since COVID in particular. And I'm going to let you share a little bit more about what you're up to a little bit later. Um, I want to put it in context, though. So you have a story. Um, You are a, a wife, mom and daughter. You've also helped a lot of people overcome their obstacles. But tell me how this got started. What's your story? Wow. Loaded question. It goes back to as far back as I can remember, I guess, you know, um, growing up with parents that were chronically ill. And really, I thought that was normal. My house was complete chaos, um, never knowing from one minute to the next which parent was going to be in the hospital. And I just felt that that was normal until one day, um, you know, in, in my in my thirties, I guess it was, I was like, well, wait, that's not normal. Uh, and as well, growing up, I was bullied through school for my weight and I had extreme low Mm self-esteem. And so of course the very first time a guy came up to me and said, he loved me, I believed him a hundred percent, uh, which turned into a nightmare of four years. Um, you know, he was very mentally and a mentally and emotionally abusive um and so after four years i'm like okay enough's enough and so i decided to leave and yeah and through all that um my uncle actually my dad's middle brother um took his life christmas day 24 years ago so our family was no stranger to like i said chaos things happening mental health um health in general And it was just a life of, you know, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I didn't realize how exhausted I was even thinking about it uh, until I I did meet my husband and we were getting married. And, um, you know, it, it was just like I was trying to take a breather. And I said to my girlfriend, you know, I've been through a lot of stuff and and. This was just prior to COVID. I said, maybe I should write a book about it. And she said, yeah, you should. I said, but who's going to read it, Trish? Like, I'm some some chick in Windsor, Ontario. No one knows me. And she goes, yeah, but I'd read it. And you could help other people. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay. And that's how the book was formed. And I thought, okay, so now the, writing the book was the easy part. It's like, no one knows who I am. I've never been on social media before other than on Facebook just to have a couple friends to say hi and family, right? And, uh, so I went on a journey of letting the world know who I was. Uh, but in that really finding amazing people that had such great stories and the common tagline between everybody was that they felt alone in their circumstances in the dark moments, they felt alone. And so I decided I wanted to give a platform for people to share their story, to know that they're not alone and to never give up because I know what it's like when you get that call. Hey, you know, um, Jim's never coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, and of course, you know, the way how my uncle did it was completely, we didn't find him until three months later. And so that adds to it. But, you know, I just threw it all. It's just keep putting one foot in front of the other, mm-hmm. uh, trusting and knowing and believing that God's got your back and going to get you through it. And yeah. so that has been my message ever since. Yeah. Well, I just want to acknowledge <clears throat> that you have healed from that Mm -hmm. to a certain level. You know, we all have our grieving journey. It takes um, a a different path for each person. Sometimes we take two steps forward and one step back. Um, So my sincere condolences on your loss, even if it was 24 years ago, it still is an important part of your journey. And it's helped to shape 
who you are today is helped to shape how you support others. And this part about being alone, um, when I was thinking about, you know, my own journey as a, as a coach, you know, what was I going to do next? What was I going to take on? What was it that my clients wanted to do? And I wanted to be leading the path by being able to share my own wisdom of having done it first. Right. So I wanted to write a a best-selling book connected with, um, Teresa de Grobois, who's the founder for the Evolutionary Business Council, and took one of her programs on book writing. And it was so eye opening because, you know, even some of the simple concepts of, you know, going to a bookstore and looking on the shelf where you would expect to find a book if there was already one about your topic and finding Mm -hmm. that there was nothing there, you know, that in itself, I wouldn't have necessarily thought about that or thought about, you know, which categories do I put my book in when I'm advertising it and tagging it so that it will have an opportunity to stand out and be and become a bestseller, which mine did overnight. Um, right. So Words, Women and Wisdom, the Modern Art of Confident Conversations was um, a tribute to my mom. Um, my mom was... Um, uh, professional woman before my dad she married my dad she married late in life so I don't know if she was worried about being you know on the shelf as it were but post you know coming back from World War II my dad had PTSD got a bullet in Dunkirk and then from there he was just not treated and and so he was a very angry man that's how it showed up very angry very impatient constant criticism and he literally drained the dignity right out of her as a stay-at-home mom, she lost her power. She didn't have her own income. He um, took the car keys after she told him how to drive. And she became this mouse and lost her voice. And so my book was dedicated to her, who I call my first unmentor. She showed me what not to do. And so that's what it's all about is, is you know, 40 different words and word concepts to help women to ask for what they want and get it. Not being aggressive, but being assertive and clear. And this whole part about being alone, you just never know how many lives you're going to touch when you actually get your book up on Amazon. And now it's on audiobook too. So what's your book called, Dorothy? And what are the key, you know, top three things people will take <clears throat> from it? Well, first of all, I just want to say that that story is powerful. And that is part of my driving catalyst for doing what I'm doing, because for the last two year and a half, I've been heavily involved in the veteran community and helping them with their PTSD and getting and starting to put a program in place for the spouses, which is much needed. I get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just ironic that you said that because that's what, you know, for the last year and a half, year and a half, I put blood, sweat and tears into that community and will continue to do so until number one, the suicide rates down to nothing because the military rate is 24, 44 a day right now. Uh, and the divorce rate amongst our military is 85%. So if we heal the men and women coming back into civilian life before, uh, you know, number one, before they even get to civilian life, that's going to drastically change those numbers. And drastically change families so let's get them while they're inside still before they come out to civilian world where it's a whole new shocker and and help so thank you 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 just reiterated why i'm doing everything i'm doing so thank you for saying that well Uh, consciousness moves in mysterious ways and i really believe that 
Um, the exact right person will show up for you in exactly the right moment in time when you're super clear on what you're trying to do in the world. And I know that you are also um, a woman of God, whether you refer to God as, as as that label or, you know, for me, it's the universe, it's greater consciousness, it's it's the inner wisdom that guides us to reach out when we feel that connection with someone. Um, I didn't know that that's what you were up to either. So interesting. Let's keep the conversation going. Yes. So you right. had a shocking <laughs> statistic there. So um, 85%. Tell me about that. What do you think is at the bottom of that? Well, there's there's a lot. Speaking with the veterans that I have, um, the main part is, okay, th- when I say veterans, I also mean first responders too. So yeah. police, uh, EMS, things like that. So yeah. the thing that I've heard across the board is when our men and women come home from duty, the first thing they want to do is they just want to forget about what they've seen for the day right? They just need five minutes to go have a shower, wipe that off. But yet the woman's been at home all day long, or the men, whatever, taking care of the kids. So when their spouse comes home, they need a break too. Only they don't know how to communicate that to each other in an effective way. Uh, because the the spouse that's on duty just wants to shut down because of what they've seen, heard, whatever. They just, they need that time. And so the spouse gets angry because they think, well, you haven't been home all day and I've been home with these kids all day. So you need to take care of it. And it's a breakdown of communication. It's a breakdown of one not un- understanding what the other one's going through. It's a, a breakdown of um, because when you're in the military, let's be real, you're trained to kill. And so when you come back home, it's just like you don't know how to act because you're so on on point when you're at work just to stay alive and to keep your team members alive, right? And to switch that off when they walk through the door at home, it's impossible to do without the right tools. And unfortunately, our military doesn't set our guys up for that. Uh, you know, they, they train one way, but they what they need to do is also give them training to say, wait a minute, once you're past this, like, let, let's heal the traumas that you see first, because you have to heal what what is, what is the trauma, right? Yeah. And then then um to to give them the tools necessary to be at home in the civilian world and and the spouse needs to understand wait a minute this is what my spouse has seen and heard throughout the day or you know if they've been away you know if they're at war or whatever and they come home this is what i should expect so we need to train and mentor both sides uh, we, we need to definitely get a support group for our spouses and say, Hey, wait a minute. You're not alone in this either. Um, and I will tell you every single military man, man or woman that I've talked to has said that their spouse is the unsung hero, but they just don't know how to communicate that to their spouse. Mm. And so all it is, is a lack of communication and giving our people the right tools to work with. Uh, and that's it basically the simplicity form of it now is it easy to do no because i don't know about you but talking to my spouse about something that's important can sometimes be difficult so <laughs> i'm i'm laughing with you dorothy because just <laughs> yesterday i had this exact same thing except that the you know ptsd is not part of the conversation in this case um but i was on a client call 
Uh, it was a 4.30 mountain time appointment. So I was just wrapping up as my husband came home from work. And even though the door to my office was closed, he could probably hear that I was on the phone. I said, I've got a late client call today. Um, so as soon as I opened the door, he was like, ta-da! And I, and I... I said to him, you know, hang on a second, right? He's like, I'm ready to go to the car show. I want to go with the meet to, to the meetup and meet my other Mustang buddies. Are you ready to go? And I'm like, hang on a second. Like, I need transition time. I just got off a, a call. I just finished my day. You had a, you know, half an hour on the train, 20 minutes in the car to drive home. You've had an hour of transition time. And mm-hmm. it's easier for you to just clock off because you're doing a different kind of work that you can leave behind. I need transition time. So no, I'm not ready to go. And in the case of a military um, or a first responder, crazy, crazy day, because they see some crazy stuff. um, Mm -hmm. I can imagine it's even more intense. So maybe, you know, part of that is, you know, for me, it's not, I could probably have stayed in my office for another 15 minutes and not, you know, surfaced until I was ready to meet the outside world again. Um, Right not because I had a traumatic call, but I was so supercharged and pumped because of what we were creating together. Mm-hmm. That I needed to transition from. Um, and yeah. I actually interviewed, um, this might be a great interview to resurface. I interviewed a first responder a little while ago who is now um, out there as a um, advocate for first responders, giving them a voice because you know, when I heard her talk at a conference, mental health conference, the journey that she took us on through a, an average day, what was supposed to be an average day that turned into something horrific, the journey she took us on really gave us a perspective of what those support teams go through and what they are expected to manage and cope with. And how do you do that? And it was mm-hmm. it was so moving and touching. Um, yep. Great, great uh, story. I'll connect you with her if that's useful. Sure, absolutely. Would yeah. love that. You're welcome. So, in terms of your own journey, um, were you were you working along the way in in a, in the military yourself, or did you have a spouse in the military? Like, how did this military connection get going? Well, that okay. So this is hilarious how it all happened. So. Not episode number 44. So it was January 31st of last year. Mm-hmm. I had our very first veteran on the show. His name is Greg Bicknell, who was the founder of Camaraderie Rescue Mission. This guy, if you've ever met Greg Bicknell, you would understand what I'm saying about he's like a yappy dog and he has so high energy, but he, and he wants to change. He's a veteran. He was in the, in the armed forces, uh, maybe not the armed forces. I don't know. He was in the military for 28 years. Let's just put it that way. And so um, he he just got me so pumped up about this and about his foundation that I actually became on the board uh, co-chair. Uh, I was on the co-chair last year. Coach. Yeah. Anyways, co-chair of his board last year. And so that's how it all started. So he started introducing me to one veteran after another, after another, after another. So I would say in the last year and a half, I've interviewed about 25, 30 um, men and women 
And, and then as I was digging Veterans Day last year, which is, I believe, in the United States, November, we call it Remembrance Day. They call it Veterans Day. Right. So um, I started to put a tribute together of all the veterans that I talked to. And so as I was doing that, um, my dad's baby brother was actually in the Canadian Armed Forces uh, before he retired and went to Taiwan. Um, pretty much my brother re- uh, served as a cadet. My dad was a cadet and my grandfather served as well. Mm-hmm. And then all my, a couple of my uncles and, and stuff like that. And my husband's nephew is currently serving. So all that to say that I didn't even really put two and two together that, you know, I, wait a minute, my family comes from, from, you know, a military background. My, and my grandfather was also president at the Legion uh, in Kingsville, Ontario. And, and, you know, I was always, we were always going to Legion every Friday night, we'd be grandpa night. So we'd meet him at the Legion, have a drink, you know, talk to, talk to his buddies. And, and I never even really knew what that meant back when I was younger. I just knew that that was a place we went to socialize. And, but what it really meant was, you know, uh, these men and women dedicating their life for our country. And this, you know, and I really dug deeper into it. And so my, I found out that my great grandfather, um, who was uh, originally born in Scotland, but they immigrated to Canada. I'm not sure when they did that, but he, at the age of 14, I think joined the U S Navy and was on uh stationed out in uh, California. So I have his picture and then his sailor uniform. He was a welder on one of the boats. I forget which one it is. I don't have that information in front of me, but yeah. So my, my entire family tree on my dad's side has had um, a military background and I didn't even really put it together. And it just felt so right when I connected with Greg that I'm like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. These, this is who I'm supposed to be serving. And, um, and you, since you then, that, you get that charge, right? It's that inner, yeah. that inner knowing that you are exactly on your right path. You feel it, mm-hmm. you embody it. So, yes. so which came first, the book or the, um, or the podcast? So the book came first. Um, and the, the name of the book is the overcomer facing challenges with faith and courage. Okay. Um, and so I just share my life's journey. Like I share the big highlights, like the, the bullying and the abusive relationship, things like that. And just shared how I, you know, just took the steps and just went through it. Right. And then I also shared, um, how I, I did meet my husband. Um, and then, so that, that takes us right to, that takes us to when we got married and but what it doesn't include is my dad's uh cancer uh so after the book was done my dad um my dad got cancer and it was a two and a half year battle and i watched him die um which was thank you yeah it it was one of the one of the worst things that i've had to go through yet i i would have to say um but through it all i was calm and I'm still calm about it. Um, it's just, you know, it's, we go in grief periods because everybody does that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, and to this day, like it was a year and a half ago, well, almost two years. So it's coming up on two years, September 14th, uh, which just happens to be my stepson's birthday. Uh, so it's just, it's like he's here still. 
and I see him in a lot of different ways. Um, I see him, you know, I feel his presence and things like that. And so, yeah, it's just one of those things. Uh, so maybe the second book will be about, about that journey, about grief. I don't know. Mm. Um, well, there, but there, yeah. are, there are a lot. Um, <clears throat> I think there are a lot of different resources out there about the topic of grief. Um, the last um, show guest, Kathy Godfrey, who is talking about surviving suicide of her husband um, and what happened with that journey. Um, it was very informative, sparked a lot of conversations, lots of comments came back from that. What I'm really intrigued to learn from your story, Dorothy, is you know what would be four or five of the biggest insights, the biggest learnings that you've taken away from all of these experiences about how do you keep going, right? right. How do you do that? Well, I'm stubborn and I'm Irish and Scottish. So I, I just keep putting my foot in front of the other, right? Uh, and German too. There's German in me. So yeah, it's, I, I said to my parents, I'm like, you didn't think about your ba- ethnic background before you procreated because like, seriously. <laughs> uh, but I just, I, I don't know any other way than to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and, and maybe that's a deterrent. I don't know. Um, but it's just, I just have this strong sense of just keep going. Uh, there's a saying out there, if you're walking through hell, keep going. Don't stop, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> you don't want to get burned. Um, but in in this journey uh, that I can honestly tell you that if I would have had the confidence in myself back when I was younger, I would be a lot further than where I am now. Um, but I believe everything happens for a reason and we all have to go through it. Right. Um that's just my belief and you know other people have their take on that um and definitely given what would have given you that extra confidence back then so for people that aren't of your you know your heritage with that continue charging forwards natural ability or focus or you know have learned how to do that what would have given you the extra confidence do you think you know that's a good question because I'm, I'm thinking back of everything. And of course, you know, I had low self-esteem right off the hop being overweight. Right. So if I would have, if I would have opened my mouth back when I was a child and said, wait, this has actually happened to me instead of keeping it to myself. Mm. uh, Cause I know if I would have told my parents, my parents probably would have got me help. Um, But I kept it to myself. I have this, I have this thing with my parents and I always have where I protect them at all costs, which Normally is the opposite way, but yeah. me being who I am, because I'm a unicorn, uh, <laughs> I I always had this innate ability to to keep my parents shielded from everything. My parents didn't even know what I was going through when I was in the abusive relationship until after, and um, but I kept it hidden. And if I would have told somebody, I it, I would probably would have saved myself a lot of heartache and a lot of headache, and um, you know somehow found the confidence somewhere or my parents could have connected me with somebody to help me gain that confidence right um the but, first thing, ask for help right speak up ask right. for ask for help not in a right. not in a language that is you know i'm a victim so much as i'm acknowledging this is where i'm at and right. i need i need help right now i need someone to throw me a lifeline yep absolutely yeah. okay absolutely and um yeah 
that would believing in yourself yeah believing in yourself also sort of an innate ability in your case although how do you build that great question because <laughs> there's still some time that I doubt myself the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's still days that I doubt myself but here's what I know I work harder on me than on anything else and the last 10 years have been a healing journey for me I started um, I started in my church before I met my husband after I left my abusive relationship I I started uh, going to church and, and finding these these women that surrounded me uh, with all of these tools. And so I think if you find your right tribe, they will help you get through anything. And I learned that, especially the last three years. Um, if, if, and it's hilarious in one sense, because I had found this lady, I was supposed to be on someone's podcast. Her name was Karen and it was something about moving the rock or something about rock podcast. And, you know, her, Karen and I talked and Karen sent me to Jen. And I had never been, I still to this day have not been on that podcast, but Jen, uh, Karen connected me to Jen and Jen has changed my life. So Jen, uh, Zahari, I say this just about on every podcast that I'm, that I'm on. Um, she, she actually said she, we were connected because she wanted the book. She had this, uh, this business called Jen's happy mail. So Jen, uh, bought some books to put in her happy mail and her and I became friends very quickly. And Jen connected me with six other amazing women. And so every other Saturday I spend an hour with these women. We're connected through zoom and it's basically, we do not allow ourselves to give up on each other. And if we see that one of us is struggling, we're there to help them. And I never had that in my entire life. I had growing up, I had three. Okay. So I had three friends in school, but, um, and I say quotation mark because they were not really friends. They were acquaintances. Uh, if I'm being real or about as, as friendly as women can get back at that age, I guess, because my dad says there's, there's no way that more than one woman can be friends. They're all, they're catty and like they tear each other apart is what my dad's theory was. But anyways, uh, which back then was true, but not now. Hmm. Now I think I'm mature and, you know, grown hmm. up and, and, and have that where I could separate that. But having those tribe of women have definitely helped me get through some of the worst times of my life the last three years. Okay. So firstly, speaking up. Secondly, mm-hmm. finding finding your supportive tribe. Um, yes. uh, believing in yourself, asking for what you want. Anything yes. along those lines? I mean, that's part of my the work in At- my book. So obviously I believe wholeheartedly in that approach. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. 100%. As a matter of fact, I, I've started this thing in this last year. I uh, did a, a talk at a camp for women and the talk was asking for what you wanted and so I did this group study and there was I think 10 women in the group and I asked them all to speak out what three things that they wanted and I then I asked them how difficult was that for you to do and some of them thought it was easy some of them was like really hard and some of them wanted to change their answers because they were it was surface surface things that they wanted and then they're like wait a minute once we got through and it was like it was kind of therapeutic going around the room right and then they some of them wanted to change it because they wanted to wait wait that's not true this is what I really want so asking for what you want is absolutely 100% imperative and I'm telling you I'm I'll be 47 next week 
Um, and so I'm just learning how to do that now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, certainly, you know, in terms of tips, one thing with my, um, with my dad growing up, I said, he's, you know, PTSD, he's angry. Um, I learned at a very early age and it wasn't out of some sales book, but giving him a choice and saying, you know, I could do this or I could do that um, gave me a 50% chance that he was going to say yes to something. Um, right. And it just raised the odds rather than just saying, can I, can I do this and having it be a yes or no answer. The other right. thing is, you know, and I talk about this in my book is don't give away your power. Don't even ask for permission to begin with. Just make the statement. Here's what I'm yep. going to do, or even better, here's what I have just done. And it's more mm-hmm. of an update. It's not asking for permission because somebody somewhere will try and talk you out of it because it's their fear that's coming out and their doubt in themselves. And then they try to project that onto you. So if you're just learning how to assert yourself, do something and then tell people you've done it first and get into that mindset of I'm just on, I'm on my journey. I'm, I'm going, I'm doing this. No one's going to talk me out of it. I know for sure it's in alignment with what I am seeking and I'll give you the update, <laughs> not ask. <laughs> 100%. On that note, I always say it's better to ask for forgiveness than for, friend for permission. Ditto, ditto. Yeah. In the book too. <laughs> cool. And then also, um, what about this topic of being worth it? Like, where does that, how does that get fostered for people right. that don't necessarily have that internal compass that says I'm absolutely worth it. So I'm going for it. Like, how can we foster the, I am worth it piece. That again, is part of your healing journey because somewhere somewhere along the line someone told you you weren't worth it and you believed it mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten that is a, that is a childhood trauma from somebody that said something to you even in it could even be as far back as your mother's womb or maybe even a past life and i don't know all much about the past life thing i'm I'm just learning that but seriously that I'm i'm finding out that everything that i thought was a trigger or a trauma has either dated back like a baby or or things like that or it's even generational yeah. and some of the stuff that we carry is not even ours and that blows my mind because i said like how well then how do you deal with that <laughs> if it's not ours how do you deal with that and well, that's why um healing is is so necessary and and it's it's funny because one of the very first things i did when i left that relationship was to um our, our church was doing it's called theophostic prayer ministry and so it's digging into the lie-based thinking and putting the truth to it. Mm. And so I became a facilitator and everything like that way back when. And and it's funny because every coach that I've had has, has done that and they call it something else, but it's the same thing. So I'm like, if I would have just stuck with it uh, all those times, you know, but here's the thing. You need to get rid of your traumas to find your worth um, and b- truly believe who who you are and what God puts you here to do mm. or universe, whatever, whatever you believe in, put that name in there. Yeah. Um, I, but, I, yeah. I, I liken it back to that uh, graphic. If you've ever seen it, I think it's um, an ace where it's about the seed pod breaking open. So you've got to create that 
that awareness right you're going to be aware before you can do anything about it if you're like sub uh, unconscious of it it's not going to happen so the awareness piece first but when the seed pod breaks open that's when growth can really happen and without that cracking the you know yeah there's some pain in there in reliving it or going back or trying to figure out how did that belief get started and where did that even come from not necessarily spending a lot of time digging around and poking around in that mess, but to acknowledge that that's that's where the belief came from. And then right away stepping into, and here's what I'm going to do about it. Here's how I'm going to shift that belief now. So also about making time for yourself. I I asked you this question a little bit uh, before the interview. So talk to me about making time for yourself. Well, that is, that is hilarious that you asked that question because I grew up where my grandmother said, you do everything necessary for your man, your family. Mm. So I always did for everybody else. Um, and when, like I said, when my dad was first diagnosed with cancer, we were offered counseling. And so that was the very first time I did outside Christian counseling. And I thought I need this because my dad was my rock. Like my dad is my guy. Right. Mm. And um, so the first question she asked me is what's your self-care look like? I'm like, I laughed in her face. I said, I'm planning a wedding. My dad's going through cancer treatments. I have a very high stress job. And this was even before the podcasting and everything that I do. Um, and I said, there is no time for me. She goes, if you don't make time for yourself right now, you're going to have a heart attack. No so, one else will if you don't put yourself no, first. <laughs> absolutely. And I'm telling you, Yvonne, that has been my life lesson for the last three years. Uh, so I make sure I start my first hour of every morning with me and God, mm-hmm. um, that is my new has been my new ritual for the last three years. Um, now that I'm married, you know, I have less and less time uh, f- for myself, but I always make sure that um, Sundays is family day. I don't uh, I've been more intentional the last month or two to eat, not even really look at my phone, take all notifications off my phone. I don't even go on social media on on Sundays. And really, um, I have my walks every night. Um, you know, and, and that is me time. And yes, I asked my husband to go, but that's up to him. He's not really a walker. Uh, but just really, um, you know, I, I like to read. So I spent, I, I do read a lot. Um, so I, I do what needs for me to fill up. Um, and yeah, I've hopefully going away next weekend on a woman's, uh, a woman's weekend, uh, for my birthday so yeah gonna yeah. go see all my friends out in Illinois yeah I I if I think back over the last 14 years uh, coaching women entrepreneurs in particular um, so often it's about this this um, calendaring right and putting the timetable together because we only have 24 hours in every day right yeah. that's it I mean that's fine yeah. and we can only let other people steal our time if we give them permission so if we think about, you know, Stephen Covey, the concept with the big rocks going in first, like what are the top five priorities and put them in first and then everything else has to fit around them. So if I'm going to get pulled away and distracted, then, yeah, my first hour waking up, if that means that I'm getting up earlier because that's how I got my book written, you know, getting up at five every day, doing yeah. half an hour of meditation, journaling, visualization, um 99 megahertz and above um 
you know, music, then then I was grounded and I could just let the wisdom flow through me. I don't think I actually wrote that book. I think it was divine wisdom that was flowing through me to pick, you know, which ones of the words that originally I had 52 and then it was, the book was too long. So I made it 40 different words, you know, like 40 days and 40 nights. I figured there's still some impactful meaning there, but which words were going to go in, it just flowed through me. I never had writer's block. So I'd write for an hour until 6.30 when my family was getting up. But that, putting that in my day first, put the priority on me first. And then that energy lasted me all day long. It was so much easier to say, that doesn't work for me. I'll pass on that. Thank you for the kind invitation. Um, and, And not to be at other people's beck and call. And having my appointment times calendar, you know, in my calendar, my paper calendar, if I didn't have a client, I would just put, you know, upcoming client number two, or whatever it was. Um, so I was holding space for them to show up. Otherwise, if our day is all jam packed, we can't take on a new impromptu call or a new client because there's no space for it. Right. I love that you said that. That is, that is a great thing to put in. (laughs) Yeah. Big rocks first, right? That's Stephen Covey concept. That's not mine. So being you, how does that fit into everything too? So for decades, I suppressed who I really was. And really, I could be one person for my family and another person for my friends. And during my time, I was just quiet, right? And and so I, I, I spent a lot of my time being exhausted, just trying to be who everybody wanted me to be. And, and then I'm like, you know what, this is bullshit. And so I'm just going to stop this right now. And um each each day I get more and more and more into who I really am. I'm fun. I am some days some days hilarious. Uh and other days I'm serious and I am who I am in that moment and I don't make myself wrong for it because I used to. I used to make myself wrong for it like why can't you just be normal? Well, really what is normal? Um <laughs> and normal's overrated, right? Uh so I just um you know each each day I just step more and more and more into the person that God's calling me to be and just really have fun with that. And I I I used to be so serious. Oh my gosh, so serious. My even moments where my husband says he's joking, I would take serious. But I realized, you know, life is too short to hold on to anything. And so just allowing people to be who they are so you could be who you are, um, is is really been my life lesson the last mm-hmm. the last couple of years right and mm-hmm. yeah and some people don't even know who they are and and that's okay and but give yourself grace and allow yourself to find out who you really are yeah one of the um the questions that and again it's one of the things in my book quoting one of my friends um Liz, Lim, linda murs she came uh came to a program i was in one one day and brought this question of what is it you cannot not do? Which sounds a bit like an oxymoron, but if you think about it, it's like the thing that the thing that you can't help yourself do. For me, it's like I cannot, if I hear a woman has a problem, I cannot not offer help. I cannot come up with, you know, two or three solutions or encourage her with powerful questions to come up with her own two or three solutions. I I just I can't stand by. I just can't. So what is it you cannot not do? 
And if you focus on that as your starting point, it's so much easier to step into embodying who you're meant to be on the world. And we all have our own unique DNA for a reason. You know, if someone's a coach and I'm a coach, we're not going to coach the same way. We have different life experiences, beliefs, learning, our our pace of self-development and growth and our our own self-awareness is going to be vastly different. The tools, the techniques, the things I use, the the people I know, you know, it's all different. So it's very unique opportunity to work together with someone. Great conversation. (laughs) Now, if you're listening right now and saying, holy smokes, I want to become more unstoppable, I encourage you to pick up a copy of um, the book, The Overcomer. Uh, What's the the byline? Facing? Facing challenges with faith and courage. Facing challenges with faith and courage. And the best way to do that, we actually have a, a little bit of a benefit for you if you pick it up today. Um, you can go to um, Dorothy's website, which is um, unstoppableovercomers.com. And if you put slash in the product hyphen page slash the overcomer, then you'll be able to get into where her book is uh, being offered and you can actually get a $3 discount. So bonus, all you have to do is put in the discount code, my name, Yvonne, Y-V-O-N-N-E. Is that capital sensitive? It's, yeah, it is a capital Y. Okay, so capital Y, V for Victor, O-N-N-E. If you put that in as the discount code, you'll actually be able to save yourself a little bit of of money um, on the book. But I highly, highly recommend getting that book. If if any of the content, even in the first 10 pages, is part of the fire I feel talking with Dorothy today, there's going to be some incredible wisdom that comes out of it. That is powerful. That I know. So any last things that you wanted to share, Dorothy, um, about becoming unstoppable in our last few minutes together? Sure. I, I'm just thinking of everything that we talked about and, and you know, just really speaking your truth and knowing who you are and whose you are is very important. And don't do like I did spend decades uh, being somebody you're not just to please somebody else. Um, And if you are a people pleaser, I get you, but stop it. (laughs) It serves no one, including yourself. And just really um, just do and be who you want to be and go after when, if there's something on your heart, don't, stop just do it um because i I promise you you won't regret it uh three years later here i am you know still sharing my story still uh still helping others and uh changing lives all at the same time so Mm. and where do people go if they want to keep in touch they want to listen to one of your podcasts where do they go to find that Sure. Actually, the podcast itself is actually on my website. So if they just go to www.unstoppableovercomers.com, the website, everything's there. Um, But if you want to check me out on social media, I'm definitely on LinkedIn at uh, Dorothy Ann Graham O'Dell and Facebook, uh, Dorothy Graham O'Dell. Okay. So Dorothy M. Like Mother? Odell? Uh, no, uh, Dorothy Ann. So D O R O T H Y A N N 
A-N-N. Okay. You said it so fast. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I do talk fast. <laughs> I'm LinkedIn. Okay, great. Yeah. So do keep in touch. Do go to the website, unstoppableovercomers.com. Check out, pick up your copy of the book. Do that today because today there's no day like the present. And honestly, all of the things I've learned today in this interview have have an action orientation to them. If you want to become unstoppable, you've got to be in action. That means taking action today. You can get a $3 discount on the book just by putting in the discount code Yvonne, Y-V-O-N-N-E. Um, check out the podcast. There's some interesting learnings I'm going to be checking out as well. And if you're intrigued to learn more about my book, I encourage you to go to my website, Yvonne Silver, S-I-L-V-E-R.com. You can learn about the work I'm doing in coaching. If you wanted to book a speaker, some of the highlights I've shared today, I speak on in keynotes, et cetera. And also about um, the actual book itself. There's a video on the website, which will actually air in a few minutes as well. And it is on Amazon as ebook, a PDF, and also on all sound, A-W-E-S-O-U-N-D as an audio book as well, if you're uh, one of those who likes to walk and listen and learn at the same time. So great interview today. Thank you for bringing your high energy, your unstoppable techniques. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. I'll hook, hook you up with Cynthia Hamilton Urquhart, the lady I talked about, who's a first responder advocate and previous guest on my show, and look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dorothy. Thank you so much. Okay, have a beautiful day. Take care. And everybody in the listener group, uh, make sure that you dial in to the next edition of the Words, Women and Wisdom radio show, airing live on Tuesdays bi-weekly. And that's on bbsradio.com station one. We'll see you soon. Bye for now, everybody. Ladies, a new book is on the horizon. Words, Women and Wisdom, the modern art of confident conversations. This new book is for women ready to rediscover their inner confidence, take a stand for themselves in life and business by using more powerful language. Words are so powerful and have already changed history. On October 5th, the New York Times published a story detailing decades of allegations of sexual harassment against film producer Harvey Weinstein. And numerous women in the entertainment industry found the courage to go public, banding together with a powerful voice that change is long overdue. Even Oprah Winfrey, television network icon, gave a rousing speech at the Golden Globe Awards in January. The media has showcased the Time's Up Legal Defense Fund. The Me Too movement is flourishing and all signaling it's time for women's equality and change. I believe it's time to give women the verbal agility to create more confident conversations. Words, Women and Wisdom, The Modern Art of Confident Conversations is the book which provides practical approaches for women to ask for what we really want and receive our request. Hello, I'm Yvonne Silver, Certified Executive Coach and Senior HR Professional, seasoned in business. I teach women to flourish in business by using more confident language to help empower and engage others. 
This book is the result of over 35 years of my career, professional career, working in four different countries. I've interviewed over 6,000 people in my career for job interviews, executive coaching, for sales and consulting conversations. And I've listened to hundreds of women in particular who are looking for a better way to collaborate. They're looking to be uh, asking for what they really want and heard and validated, especially in business. And women often earn less than men for doing exactly the same job. It's 2018. It's time for change. The modern art of confident conversations explores words we use at home, at work. Words that trip us up, elevate us and encourage us. And when no words are even required. It is about how to leverage the power of words in a positive, in a collaborative and impactful way. Now I work with women entrepreneurs and leaders who are empowering other women and leading through mentorship programs and my coaching, public speaking, interviews and writing. I'm passionate about women's equality. Why? I grew up in England in a house with a flow of negative comments from my father which destroyed my mum's dignity until she became an empty shell of the vibrant woman she'd once been, belittled by constant criticism and questioning of her abilities. Through my own life journey and supporting hundreds of female clients, I've discovered critical words to ask to get what we really want collaboratively. I know there are critical links between our language, our behavior, our mindset and our success in life. Words from a song can replay in our head for hours and poetry can bring a lump in our throats. I've combined my insights with interviews from influential women, sharing their pearls of wisdom, supplemented with research and reference studies from established scholars. Women are rising up. It's time for women to be heard. Let's use more powerful, positive language and join the rising tide of change. This book is for you, a woman looking to the future ready to embrace significant positive changes in your life by using more confident language. Eliminate those words that drain your power, add words that energize and invigorate and shift from ordinary to extraordinary. Just one word can change your life. I believe every woman needs their own copy of this powerful book. It's time for action and time for change. Order and reserve your own copy of Words, Women and Wisdom today.